discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. This past Saturday, May 22nd, was actually what is recognized in the crypto community as Bitcoin Pizza Day, marking the 11th anniversary date, where in 2010, Laszlo Hunyets, one of the early adopters of the newfangled cryptocurrency that had just been coded into existence, purchased a pair of Papa John's pizza pies using 10,000 bitcoins. The purchase equated to roughly $41 based on the going rate for Bitcoin back then. However, those 10,000 Bitcoins would be valued at approximately $380 million at the current rate for the world's most prominent crypto, which was last changing hands at roughly $38,000 on Coindesk on Saturday. The transaction is widely viewed as the first time a virtual currency had been used to buy anything in the real world. Fast forward to today, and here's where it gets interesting. Last week, on Tuesday, Anthony Pompliano, a technology investor and cryptocurrency influencer, announced that he was launching a Bitcoin-themed pizza pop-up that will help support the development of the digital currency. The brand is appropriately called Bitcoin Pizza and was even more appropriately launched on Bitcoin Pizza Day. And through a partnership with independent pizzerias in 10 cities, began producing and delivering its pies on Saturday and will continue to do so only for the rest of this week through May 29th. Bitcoin Pizza's menu features five pizzas, along with sides and drinks, and the profits will be donated to the Human Rights Foundation's Bitcoin Development Fund, which helps fund improvements to the Bitcoin network. However, in an ironic twist, Bitcoin Pizza does not accept Bitcoin as a form of payment. Of course, by now, you're probably wondering if I'm doing a show today about Bitcoin, or if I'm doing a show about pizza. Well, so was I. And to be completely honest, I couldn't decide. So, how about both? You're listening to Alternate Current Radio, I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. Howdy folks, 
In case you didn't know it, Laszlo Hunyitz, the guy who bought the two pizzas for the 10,000 Bitcoin, is actually a Florida man. And if you missed the last episode of my show, you might not know that it just wouldn't be a daily ruckus episode about food without a story about a Florida man. So, in keeping with a newfound tradition, I present to you the following headline. Florida man charged for hitting daughter in the face with pizza, as reported by New York Daily News, who writes, Only in Florida. A Sunshine State father has been arrested after throwing a tantrum that ended with him throwing a slice of pizza at his 20-year-old daughter's face, according to an arrest report obtained by the smoking gun on Monday. Tyler Warden, 41, was charged with battery Sunday afternoon after he went to daughter Kristen Warden's Vero Beach home to drop off pizza and refused to leave when asked, according to the document. As the younger warden closed the door, her father, quote, turned around and threw a slice of pizza at her, striking her in the face, end quote. After being hit, Kristen ordered her father to leave and upon refusal, contacted authorities who, according to the report, found her with, quote, what looked to be tomato sauce on the left side of her face, end quote. Tyler Warden told cops he was upset because he'd hoped to stay to eat and threw the pizza when he thought the door was closed, though the officer writing the report, who smelled a, quote-unquote, strong whiff of alcohol on the man's breath, says the evidence suggests otherwise. According to the report, after being shown a sauce and topping-free door and seeing that, quote, the ground just inside and outside the door was covered with pizza toppings, authorities determined there is no way that Tyler could not have seen that the door was open when he threw the pizza, end quote. NYDailyNews.com Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's go back to the Bitcoin pizza story for an update. Except, let's take a look at the other side of the infamous transaction, i.e. the recipient of the Bitcoin. And to do that, let us turn to New York Post's Hannah Sparks, who writes, In May 2010, California student Jeremy Sturdivant, then 19, noticed a bizarre request on a cryptocurrency internet forum. He could receive 10,000 bitcoins, at the time reportedly valued at $41, in exchange for the delivery of two large pizzas to Florida resident Laszlo Hunyets, then 28. Sturdivant filled the order, sending him two large pizzas from Papa John's, a transaction that would become the first physical purchase made with Bitcoin in history, marked by the annual Bitcoin Pizza Day on May 22nd. But Sturdivant didn't save the Bitcoins for the future. Instead, he spent them all on travel. Today, that lowly 10,000 Bitcoin haul would be worth a pie-in-the-sky $365 million. Sturdivant said, quote, I had no idea how huge it would become, end quote. But despite losing out on boundless riches, the now 30-year-old said he is proud to have played a part in the quote-unquote global phenomenon. The tale is now the stuff of Bitcoin legend. In his May 18, 2010 BitcoinTalk.org post, Hunyitz, a forum contributor, made the request, including his palate preferences. He wrote, quote, I like things like onions, peppers, sausage, mushrooms, tomatoes, pepperoni, etc. Just standard stuff, no weird fish topping or anything like that, end quote. Sturdivant followed through on Hunyitz's appeal, 
and the rest is history. Launched in 2009, Bitcoin wouldn't reach one-to-one -one with the dollar until early 2011, and although the price is volatile even today, it's safe to say that Sturdevant's haul could have been worth hundreds of millions of dollars had he decided to invest the funds. Quote, if I had treated it as an investment, I might have held on a bit longer, Sturdevant told The Telegraph in 2018 of spending his earnings on a road trip with his girlfriend. I would never have thought that the same number of Bitcoin would have a purchasing power on the order of real estate, end quote. Sturdevant admitted to Bitcoin Who's Who that, retrospectively, it's quote-unquote crazy to think of anyone having that much Bitcoin today. And, like Sturdevant, Hunyitz has said in previous interviews that he does not regret his craving-induced purchase. He told Bitcoin Magazine in 2019, quote, I wanted to do the pizza thing because to me it was free pizza. I got pizza for contributing to an open source project. Usually hobbies are a time sink and money sink, and in this case, my hobby bought me dinner, end quote. In 2018, he told Cointelegraph, quote, I think that it's great that I got to be a part of the early history of Bitcoin in that way, end quote. Hunyitz, now 39, went on to spend a total of 100,000 Bitcoin, currently worth $3.8 billion, on pizzas alone in the summer of 2010. He added, quote, I'd like to think that what I did helped, but I think if it wasn't me, somebody else would have come along, end quote. And why post.com. You know, I have to give both those guys some serious props. I don't know about you folks, but if I was in their position, I probably would be feeling some regrets. So, kudos to them. And as a cryptocurrency and Bitcoin hodler myself, I sincerely appreciate their sacrifice to the cause. But again, I would have trouble sleeping at night, thinking about all those unrealized gains. But moving on to the Bitcoin pizza, not the pizza bought with Bitcoin, but Bitcoin pizza, which you can't buy with Bitcoin, or something like that. Connor Toole, writing for Bro Bible, says, A couple of years ago, an ironic Twitter user perfectly summed up the platform's golden rule by succinctly outlining the one thing you always want to avoid if you make the decision to violate another golden rule about how not to embarrass yourself online. Don't tweet. The Twitter user goes by the handle Maple Cocaine, and the tweet says, quote, Each day on Twitter, there is one main character. The goal is to never be it, end quote. Last week, investor and cryptocurrency advocate Anthony Pompliano briefly became that main character, courtesy of a video he made announcing the launch of his newest venture, Bitcoin Pizza. Pompliano revealed the new brand would be launching on the 11th anniversary of the infamous day a dude dropped 10,000 units of the digital currency to get his hands on a couple of pizzas at Papa John's, an amount that's worth almost $380 million as of this writing. In the video, the man, commonly referred to as Pomp, attempted to articulate exactly what makes Bitcoin pizza so special by outlining his vision for a, quote, new national pizza chain that allows you to eat tasty pizza while also supporting Bitcoin developers, end quote. However, despite prefacing that explanation with the question that was on everyone's mind, a lot of people who watched the clip still failed to grasp exactly what sets the brand apart. I headed over to the website to see if I could clarify any of the confusion 
confusion, only to emerge more baffled than I was before I arrived. As far as I could tell, Bitcoin Pizza was built on a business model that involved throwing pies whipped up by pre-existing pizzerias into a limited edition box and doing literally nothing else to differentiate itself. Sure, there was the supporting small businesses aspect and the donations being allocated to the Human Rights Foundation's Bitcoin Development Fund, which positions the cryptocurrency as a quote-unquote tool for freedom for quote individuals in closed societies or anyone facing hyperinflation, capital controls, sanctions, or financial surveillance, end quote. Does it seem like a good cause? Sure, but it also seems like there are easier ways to raise funds for it than launching a new pizza chain in 10 different cities. As a result, I felt like I was still missing something and figured the only way to truly get to the bottom of the mystery was to secure a Bitcoin pizza myself. While it was possible to get one delivered, my decision to live in a decidedly uncool part of Brooklyn meant I'd have to make the trek to a location in Dumbo. The checkout process was a fairly painless one. After selecting the restaurant, I had the option to pick from five different varieties named after crypto references I don't understand, as well as a quote-unquote Genesis block, which normal people might know better as a house salad. After adding the quote-unquote laser eyes, a pepperoni pizza topped with quote protein to give you the strength to hodl to the moon, end quote. I went to officially drop over $30 on a 14-inch pie, only to discover there was no option to buy Bitcoin pizza with, you know, Bitcoin, which seemed like a fairly notable omission. Thankfully, that wasn't an issue for someone with a grand total of zero dollars in their crypto portfolio, and after using my dirty fiat money to complete the purchase, I geared up to head to Bitcoin Pizza over the weekend to complete the transaction. That's exactly what I did on Saturday afternoon, shortly after I received an email reminding me to secure a Bitcoin Pizza, warning me, quote-unquote, inventory is limited, and that they were, quote-unquote, selling fast, but apparently not fast enough to sell out in the five days leading up to the official launch. I arrived at the restaurant a few minutes before I was slated to pick up my order at 4pm, and this is ordinarily where I would show off a photo of the coveted box before giving my thoughts on the contents inside. Sadly, I'm unable to do that, as the only thing I was able to experience was the ultimate metaphor for the current state of crypto. I was pretty sure I was in the right place when you consider the address had led me to a pizzeria sitting in the shadow of the Brooklyn Bridge but there weren't any signs to confirm that was the case. While I'd been provided with a customer service number, it only brought me to a pre-recorded voice thanking me for calling Bitcoin Pizza before immediately hanging up on the three occasions I tried it. I lingered outside for a bit before being forced to utter the words Bitcoin Pizza in a public setting to an employee who had no idea what I was talking about. Their colleagues were just as confounded and after spending a solid 20 minutes trying to figure everything out, I decided to pull a paper hands and cut my losses before leaving empty-handed. Shortly after I sat down on my couch, after completing my second hour-long subway journey of the day, I received a text informing me my pizza should be ready around 4pm. This was a fairly curious development when you realize it was sent over 90 minutes after that time had come and gone.
Now, if I'd paid with Bitcoin, I would have had to trust whoever has access to the wallet where I sent the funds to reimburse me instead of simply calling my bank and telling them not to charge me for something I never received. Thankfully, I didn't, so that second option was much more feasible. Based on what I can tell, other people managed to get their Bitcoin pizza without any issues. I, on the other hand, got nothing but a lesson in the potential pitfalls of trusting a third party to allow you to trade digital funds in exchange for a tangible asset at your preferred time. Meaning I now understand what it was like to try to sell Bitcoin when Coinbase crashed in the midst of a massive sell-off last week. BroBible.com Ah, poor guy. It's a shame he had such a bad experience with that particular food-related holiday. Maybe he'll have better luck coming up on June 4th, which is National Donut Day. And, in case you didn't hear, to mark that holiday this year, frozen pizza specialist DiGiorno has created a mashup between pizza and donuts. Um... Yuck. As reported by Hype Beast, dubbed DiGiornuts, the spin on the traditional pie takes on the shape of the circular sweet treat. Each DiGiornuts is filled with mozzarella cheese and topped with signature DiGiorno sauce, along with even more cheese and toppings. DiGiorno's brand manager, Kimberly Hollywiak, said, quote, At DiGiorno, we like to push the boundaries of what's possible for pizza, and the DiGiornut is something we've been dreaming about for a while. At the same time, we've seen out-of-the-box thinking from our fans on social media connecting pizza with donuts. So we thought, why not have some fun and make this mashup a reality to celebrate National Donut Day, end quote. DiGiorno's DiGiornut will be available exclusively via a Twitter sweepstakes on National Donut Day, June 4th. Lucky fans stateside will receive a half-dozen box of the savory treat. Hype beast.com. Oh, okay, that doesn't sound nearly as gnarly as I thought it was going to be. Unlike this next pizza-related bit of news, and apologies in advance, folks. CNET reports, In case you hadn't heard, trillions of Brood X cicadas are emerging for the first time in 17 years. After spending most of their lives underground, these critters come out for a massive mating season, and they're currently showing up in 15 U.S. states and Washington, D.C., leading some to turn to pest control. But there's another, let's say, natural way to manage this insect inundation. Eat them. Now, why would you do that if there are so many other arguably less creepy things to eat. Well, many people are looking for alternative ways to consume protein to offset the environmental impact of raising cattle, for instance, which requires lots of space, water, and other resources. Insects, on the other hand, emit fewer greenhouse gases and can boast more protein than meat. Jessica Fonzo, Johns Hopkins University sustainable food expert, said in a statement, quote, there is the yuck factor, but people who are looking for alternative sources of animal protein shouldn't rule out cicadas. Once you get over the look of them, they're quite tasty, end quote. Experts say it's best to eat cicadas just after the nymphs have climbed out of their skin when they're nice and soft. Just go outside with a paper bag and scoop them up. Cook them right away or save them in the fridge or freezer for later. The article goes on to feature some recipes to try if you're looking to spice up your summer menu. 
including cicada nymph spring salad, cicada nymph chili guacamole, cicada kimchi, cicada nymph chocolate with 24 karat gold, cicada ramen, and yes, cicada pizza. Now, there's two problems with this whole eating bug narrative. Number one, we have to endure articles on outlets such as Daily Beast with headlines like, COVID truthers new freakout being forced to eat bugs. Quote, conspiracy theorists now think sustainability is the groundwork that elites will use to eventually micromanage the smallest aspects of our lives in a post-pandemic hellscape. End quote. And lucky for you, dear listener, I will not be reading that article. However, I will include a link to it in today's show notes. The other problem is, as pointed out by Matt Gross in a blog posted on Medium, the whole idea might sound good on paper or on the World Economic Forum's website, but in reality, it's not necessarily even feasible. He says, quote, Let's start by looking at one of the most commonly touted pro-bug claims. They're nutritious, high in protein, especially when compared with beef, low in fat, and chock full of vitamins and minerals. According to insectsarefood.com, 100 grams of cricket contains 121 calories, 12.9 grams of protein, 5.5 grams of fat, 5.1 grams of carbohydrates, 75.8 milligrams calcium, 185.3 milligrams of phosphorus, 9.5 milligrams of iron, 0.36 milligrams of thiamine, 1.09 milligrams of riboflavin, 3.1 milligrams of niacin, and 0.05% Fat. I have no idea if IAF is right, but their numbers match up pretty well with what I've seen elsewhere on the web. And I'm not here to argue with their basic point. Insects, such as crickets, are indeed very good for you, and good for the planet. But let's take a look at one aspect of this claim. How many crickets are in 100 grams? The answer is actually kind of hard to figure out. I've seen weights for adult crickets listed as anywhere from 0.243 grams to 0.6 ounces, meaning you'd need to eat as few as 6, or possibly more than 400 to hit that 100 gram threshold. And that's just to hit 12.9 grams of protein. A healthy 150 pound adult male like myself requires roughly 50 grams of protein per day. That's 400 grams of crickets, which is, according to my calculations, a load of crickets. The problem is not the ick factor of eating hundreds upon hundreds of crickets every day. And yeah, you could get supplemental protein from other sources too. The problem is the cooking. How do you prepare and eat that many crickets every day? There's cricket flour for baking, I guess, but I'm not sure cricket bread is going to provide all the protein I crave. Maybe if you just add crickets into every single thing you normally eat every day, you'd hit your RDA. But that seems a little ridiculous, and it doesn't take into account the enormous number of different ways people eat. In my family of four, we cook Chinese food for dinner at least three days a week. How do we figure crickets into that? Sprinkle them into stir-fries along with scallions? Sizzle them in oil with dried chilies before tossing in water spinach? That can't use up more than a few dozen crickets at a time, and that would be shared between four people. 
I suppose I could integrate crickets into my between-meal snacks, grind them into hummus, mix them into my popcorn. Bugs are really easier to imagine as a snack ingredient rather than a T-bone substitute, not just because they're small, often crunchy, and portable, but because they do what snacks do, alleviate hunger pangs and brighten your mood, rather than what bigger dishes at main meals do, give you a solid sense of fullness that lasts hours. No one but birds makes a meal out of mealworms. This gets at another point the entomophages tend to miss. What we eat is less important than how we eat. In other words, if you want to introduce a new ingredient into our society, you have to think about how Americans eat in general. We spend lots of time in our cars, so we eat burritos one-handed while driving. We don't have time for lunch, so we hit chopped and sweet green to feel healthy. We're rushed in the evening, so we rely on Blue Apron to deliver meal kits. This is why the Impossible Burger is so successful, because it takes a classic we already understand stand and adore, and preserves its fundamental appeal while reinventing its constituent elements. Make me a spider dog I can buy at Nathan's, and you'll change the world. The other way to get more people to eat insects would be to make insects incredibly inexpensive. When a new ingredient becomes affordable, formerly cautious cooks get curious. In Vietnam, maybe 15 years ago, I remember suddenly seeing kangaroo on restaurant menus. Apparently, Australia had a surplus that year and was selling the meat abroad quite cheaply. And it was awesome, nutty and rich, and made a great pork substitute in Boon Thit Nhang. But the prices must have gone back up because I haven't seen it there since. The same could be true for insects, which are currently quite dear. For example, a 4-ounce bag of whole-roasted crickets with their legs removed on Amazon costs approximately $60 a pound. Cut that price by a factor of 10, and you might find folks willing to experiment. Curiosity, however, won't be enough, because in every place I've visited where bugs are traditionally eaten, Oaxaca, Korea, Cambodia, there's still just a sideline a snack, an outlier. People there love their meat, be it pork or beef or chicken or whatever. That love is often just as quote-unquote traditional as the bug eating. Meat requires sacrifice, requires money, requires organization and preparation that fosters a sense of community. People traditionally gather to share meat. It's hard to imagine the same happening for insects. I don't want to romanticize meat too much, but I think it provides a kind of satisfaction, both cultural and physiological, you won't get with meat alternatives. None of this, by the way, should be interpreted as anti-vegetarian. I'd be very happy to go all veg if I were in Tamil Nadu, for instance, and I'm a die-hard tofu defender to boot. But we're not talking about meat versus no meat here. It's meat versus insects. Of course, if you follow headlines, then you've probably heard things like, the future of food is bugs. In 50 years, we'll all be eating them, particularly since that's the only way to feed a population of 9 billion by the year 2050. Climate change is accelerating their importance, since our addiction to meat, especially beef, is unsustainable. If we want to keep protein in our diets, we're going to have to find another source. And that source is creepy crawly bugs. 
BugsFeed.com lists 47 restaurants around the world that serve bugs, from London's Noosa Kitchen to San Francisco's Don Bugito. The six-legged revolution, it would seem, is heartily underway. But I, a hearty, enthusiastic, and experienced bug eater, am here to tell you it will not happen. Bugs will not replace burgers. Spiders are not the new steak. Crickets ain't pork chops. If you want to eat more creepy crawlies, you'll be able to, but bugs are certainly not the future of food. They're expensive and ill-suited for both our diets and our dining culture. Eat them if you like, or don't, and just don't worry about it. Be confident that every quote-unquote future of food headline is pretty much bullshit, end quote. Medium.com of course, the way things are heading these days, folks, I fear that one day very soon, the next Future of Food headline will literally be just that. I wouldn't put it past the elites to try to sell us on the idea of eating literal bullshit. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.